You know it, you know it. Yes. <laughs> My Lord. Let your glory fill this place. Let your all-consuming fire. I was just sitting there thinking, keep playing that, that in order for the Lord's spirit to completely fill this place, it's got to displace some of us. Some of how we think and live, some of what we do has to be run up out of here in order for the Holy Spirit to completely fill this place. If you've ever sat and watched a campfire, not every piece of wood catches at the same time. And sometimes as it's catching, you'll hear some popping going on. And the reason is because it's hitting pockets of air that has to burn off before the incendiary part can get in there and set the log on fire. And I'm coming to tell you, I'm gonna be common with it, but something's gotta pop out of you in order for the fire to catch hold. Some of that stuff that needs to pop out, we holding on to. And the Lord won't get in that space. He won't. You gotta say, send your spirit, Lord. Let your glory feel this, we ought to say space, not just this place, feel this space, let your all-consuming fire, come on now, y'all need to understand what I'm saying right here, because imagine what a worship service we would have if everybody in here was absolutely on fire, it might not even be loud. Doesn't have to be loud. Fire can be burning as hot as it can be and not make any noise. You see, it's, that's that white hot. That's that white hot. It's hot. But it doesn't have to make any noise. And I think sometimes we believe that you got to be loud in order to be strong. You do not. You do not. Let your glory. Feel this space. Breathe new life within. Center refreshing, Lord. Magnify our hearts. My Lord. Say, come on, Reverend Spar. Dig down deep because you're going to have to push two out real quick. You have to, you have to do a little something when you're gonna run two races back to back. <laughs> oh Lord, we love you. We magnify your name, and we ask you to forgive us for not at any moment giving you what you do, what you're worthy of. We ask you to forgive us for taking 
the opportunity to worship you for granted. We ask you to forgive us for not celebrating the greatest memorial to freedom ever given. And that was the death of your son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. He died that we might have life and life more abundantly. True freedom came from the cross. And so today really is, as every celebration day and Sabbath is, a memorial day. Last Sunday we started with the opportunity to talk about our latest judge in this series that we call Flawed Heroes. Flawed Heroes is simply the stories we've been telling of the leaders that God raised up for the children, or for the, 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 the people of Israel when they finally got to the promised land. They got there, and year after year, decade after decade, it's an amazing thing. I love this story as a reminder, these stories as a reminder to us that you have to always be vigilant. You can't rest on the laurels of your relationship with the Lord. You have to make sure you are growing and connected to the Lord every day. Because if you don't, you stand the possibility of shifting in that relationship. And as you shift, other things come into the place. And before you know it, you have slowly drifted from the relationship as you know the Lord. It takes constant vigilance, just like it did with the people of Israel. They had to constantly stay connected to the Lord. And the world systems are moving past such a, uh, in such a speed that they want to draw you away from the Lord. You have to stay constantly pulling yourself intentionally closer to the Lord. And what we see time after time is that when they took their eyes off the prize, they drifted away. We do that. We, we do that as well. And so every day, the songwriter said, you need to wake up this morning with your mind. Stay on Jesus. Because by the end of the day, Ridge, you're going to have your mind on something else. That's just how it works. And so the children of Israel did it time, time again. In fact, there were seven times that the nations had, according to the writers now, rebelled into apostasy, which means they knew who the true and living God was. They had benefited from his graciousness and his love, and yet, yet, Monica, they were serving idols. That is true apostasy, all right? And that you can lose your salvation for, all right? When you know who God is and you turn your back on him, yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's quenching the Holy Spirit and what he can do. That's a problem. They kept doing it time and time again. And, and what the Lord would do to straighten them out is allow the enemy that they had embraced to become their holders, all right, to hold them in bondage. And it wasn't for a moment, it wasn't for a day, it would be for decades that they would be in bondage. And it's the last one we've been talking about. We've gone through um, and talked about the generation that started this problem. 
that generation that came after Joshua that didn't know the Lord, called them that second generation. They came up and they didn't remember. Can you imagine? They didn't remember because nobody talked about Moses. Uh, he was just a distant memory. He was, uh, he was in, just in black history. Didn't nobody remember what he did. You know, it was just, you know, yeah, we have Black History Month, but nobody remember what Harry Tubman did. <laughs> no, no, see, we, we always want to look at other folk like they do something so different, but we do the same thing. Even in Birmingham, Alabama, we have to tell folk what 16th Street Baptist Church means. The rest of the world knows. We got kids who've grown up here, they're teenagers, they've never been downtown and seen 16th Street Baptist Church. They, they don't know that four little girls went to Sunday school in heaven in the same morning because of hatred. They have no perspective on it. Whose fault is that? Uh, you, you Living over the mountain ain't too far to come downtown. But it's more than just coming downtown. Yeah, it's a whole lifestyle acknowledgement that we have come over a way that with tears has been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughter. Some of those slaughtered was our cousins, our grandmamas, and our uncles, and we don't even talk about them. So don't point the sanctified scalpel at the children of Israel because they got to doing so well that they forgot about the Lord. Because we got it a whole lot easier than they do. We don't remember nor acknowledge, nor do we teach. And so the Lord would raise up somebody to come in dun, 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 to rescue them. And he or she would show up on the scene and they would do their thing. They would help them out. And the Bible says that as long as they were on the scene, if they were good, and most of them started out good, even though a lot of them finished bad, they, the, the, the children of Israel would do well. And then they would slide back into apostasy. So hear me now. We talked about second generation, and we talked about Deborah, the only female that acknowledged in the group. <clears throat> and then we talked about Gideon. And then last week we started a two-part series because this guy was so dynamic. His story is so tremendous that it takes at least two messages, I think, to fully encompass how dynamic he was. Samson. Samson. The one judge who went from hero to zero. And back. Hero to zero. Yeah. He started out so wonderful. My goodness. Such promise. Such privilege. Came out of a backstory that was so good. We talked about last week. Mama couldn't have a baby. Mama finally had the baby. And she said, Lord, if you give me a baby, I'll give him back to you. And the Lord told her, he's going to be a Nazarite all his life. In other words, a vow on this child was made before the baby was even here. The angel told her that before the child even came, validated it to him, to her, and to the father, Manoah. And Samson came, and he started out so well. But then he got into 
what's the word I'm looking for that helps us understand this? Oh, life. <laughs> Y'all, he just got to living. And he realized that with all the promise he had, and boy, was he dynamic. He had extraordinary everything. He was, he was the Superman that was born on Earth. Not, not as the cartoon says, on a distant planet. He was born on Earth, and he had the same qualities and powers of a Superman. He had superior strength, superior. He had superior intellect, superior. And he loved, he loved Katrina showing folk what he had. So he was, he was, as they say, he was a big old playful dude. And he just loved life. And when you love life like that, people like being around you. Good people and bad people. And he loved the attention that came with it. Because he loved the things of this world too much, it started pulling him away from things that he should have been pulling to every day. Let me see if I can read to you the point in time when he really understands that he's messed up. Uh, well, he doesn't understand it, but he's messed up. He's an adult at this point, and he has gotten into women. Yeah, yeah, women. Oh yeah, imagine that. Intelligent, strong, handsome man who is being surrounded all the time by women. They like being around him. Yeah. And according to scripture, he is with one of those women. <laughs> and her name is, you know it, we hear it all the time now. We just don't know where it comes from when we hear it. He is with Delilah. Yeah, Delilah. Yes. And there's a problem. Because she is not really for him. She's with him. Somebody ought to hear me. You ought to hear me. She's with him, but she's not for him. She's for Delilah. And she's trying to get what Delilah can get to get to come up. And just being with Samson doesn't get her enough likes and clicks on her social media pages. And so she got to get her own source of revenue. And the only revenue she can generate is by selling access to Samson. Walk with me now. Samson is the prize. She's gotten close enough to him, but he doesn't understand. Though she's hanging out with him all the time, she's not with him. She doesn't think like him. She comes from a different background. She is a Philistine. That's her family. She is loyal to them first. All right? And so even though she will hang out and party, literally, with him. When it comes down to who are you faithful to, that's the question. She is faithful 
to her people. Yeah. Faithful to her people. He don't know it. And so he doesn't realize that when they're together, y'all, she's pumping him for information. Because Samson, in his behaviors, is embarrassing the Philistines. Every time they get into a fight, he beats them all up. Yeah, he beats them all up. He wins hands down. And they want to know how he's so strong. What is the source of your strength? And so she engages in bedtime whispers to try to get the answer from him. And he is foolish enough to think that he can play with the devil. He doesn't understand, and I don't think our young folk understand either, that you can't play with the devil because the devil will stop at nothing. The devil holds no boundaries. There is nothing sacred to the devil. And so, in chapter 15, I mean, chapter 16, we find this, enter this conversation between Delilah and Samson. And she says to him, and she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him, listen, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. She wore him out all day long. Samson, tell me why you so strong? Why you keep playing with me, Samson? I thought you loved me. Mm. Samson, quit playing. You play too much, Samson. Why are you so strong? All day, every day at Samson. Why are you so strong? All right. On the Instagram page, hey, I'm going live here. I'm with Samson. Samson about to tell me why you so strong. All her followers. Every day, all day, all day. And Samson just standing back there doing this in the background, you know. Uh, you know this my boo. I'm going to let her know what's going on. It's because I got white teeth. That's why I'm so strong. He playing these games with her and he don't realize she ain't playing. She ain't playing because her folk back at the house, every time she come home, did you find out what's going on? Why he's so strong? We got to get rid of that dude because he's messing up the community. All the folk in the community messing with us. He's playing. She is deadly serious. And so, verse 17 says, so he told her everything. Ooh. Oh my. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. Since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, 
she sent word to the rulers of the Philistine. Hey, hey, Uncle Peabody. He told me. He told me this is what's going on. She already sent it to her family. What's going on? Come back one more time. I, I know, I know he was messing with me the last time, but this for real. He told me for real this time why he's so strong. And so the rulers of the Philistines returned to the uh, to return with the payday in their hand. They came in there with a debit card filled to the max to give to Delilah. You can buy whatever you want with this. It's full of silver. And they gave her the bag. And having put him to sleep on her lap, how intimate is that? Oh, boo, you look so tired, man. You, oh, come here, let me give you a massage. He goes to sleep, he lay down. Oh, you're so tense. Let me get some of this aloe over here and put it on you. And Yeah, rub a little jasmine in here. Ooh, a little lavender on you. Boy, you smell so good today. Just take you a nap. Take your nap, and he would go to sleep. You don't go to sleep in Delilah's braid shop. Because she also braided his seven, it says it, she braided his seven twists. He, his, his seven locks, she braided them. Yeah, early in it. So two things in that. This is an aside. He was black. <laughs> All right. He was black. All right, because other folk don't have locks like that. <laughs> you ain't even got to go, you can read the Bible, and just from the words that's in the Bible, you know he was black. All right, yeah. And so having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so began to subdue him and his, watch this now, and his strength left him. Then she called, Oh, Samson! The Philistines are upon you! She screamed, woke him up. He thought he would jump up like he did the last time. He awoke and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But that last part of that sentence. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. It left him. Why is Samson in this place? Well, he's in this place but because even though he was bold before men, he was weak in front of women. He could slay an entire army, but one woman could put his whole life in jeopardy. And did. And did. Put his whole life in jeopardy. Need I go through history and give you the other lineage, lineage of men who have been fabulous generals who have been taken down by a single woman? It's not the first time nor, nor the last time this happened. Do I need to go in the community? I can go around here too. All these boys around here think they so bad until Takesha called. And when she calls, it's on and popping. He's going to do whatever he wants because that's just how life is. We are, we are woefully weak when it comes to the fairer sex. And we will throw away all that we know for those relationships. Fought the Lord's battles by day, but he broke the Lord's commandments at night. And anytime you're doing that, that's a problem. 
His name was Sunshine. That's what Samson means. Sunshine. And that speaks of light, but he played in the darkness. Played in the darkness. And because of that, he ended his life blind. Literally in the darkness. Yeah. And so, if you had told Samson at the beginning of his life what would happen, he was arrogant enough to say to you it would not happen because he thought he was smarter than everybody else. All right? And so, there are three people in, the, in your seat right now where you are. It's the one you are now, the one you could be for God, and the one you can be for the enemy. Which one? Which one? will grow. Samson paid a high price for low living. And there's a high price that comes from low living. How? First thing he did was, and I can run through this real quick, you already know the story, he dishonored his parents. They raised him right. They gave him every advantage. They gave him every opportunity to be dynamic. And so you can't go back and blame his parents, and a whole lot of parents are bemoaning the fact that their children have made some choices that have not been good, but they did all they could to put them in the space to make good choices. Samson was in that space. He had godly parents who pleaded with him to follow the directions of the Lord, who told him not to intermingle with the Philistine, told him everything he needed to do, and they specifically said, do not marry unequally. He ignored them. Why? Because he thought he was smarter than everybody else. Thought he could control the situation. Yeah. A, full, uh, a cord that is threefold is the strongest cord you can have. What does that mean? That means God, wife, husband. That's the threefold cord. But when God isn't holding the cord of either the husband or the wife, then both of them are at risk of having problems. And it's easier for them to become untwined or uh, to come apart when God is not the binding agent in that situation. And that's why we always talk about a three-fold cord. And even though Samson had a connection to the Lord that was strong, as long as he kept his Nazarite vows, he was going to be strong. He toyed with his reason for having a connection to the Lord. And because of that, he put himself in jeopardy. Samson not only dishonored his parents, he also deserted his promise. All right? He deserted his promise. He was raised in a Nazarite vow, but when he got older, it was his choice to continue making the Nazarite vow. And he did that. He did. He made that choice. All right? But then he started playing with his vow around the edges. And if you go through the stories from, I think, about chapter 13 through chapter 16 and reading about Samson, and I urge you to do that. I urge you to read the entire uh, book of Judges, but Samson is specifically 13 to about 16 you'll see that he starts playing around the edges with the things that he's not supposed to do. And his playful attitude puts him in danger. He's not supposed to be around anything 
dead. And yet the Bible says that he's traveling and finds that a beehive has been built in a lion's carcass. Yeah, and he makes a riddle of it and eats of the honeycomb. So he's not supposed to be around anything dead, but he's eating sweets out of the lion's carcass. Not only that, he's taking the jawbone of a dead animal, and he used that jawbone to kill hundreds of men in battle. He's not supposed to be around anything dead, but he's playing around the edges. And let me say this to you. Every time you do something wrong and you know it's wrong, but you get away with it, it emboldens you to do something else wrong. It just strengthens you to continue sliding away from the Lord. And so he deserted his promise. Not only that, he wasn't supposed to drink or, watch this, eat of the vine. Not eat or drink of it. Yet we find Samson dabbling in vineyards that he's not supposed to be in. The, the, vineyard, the vineyard admonition or the instruction not to be in vineyards was so strong that his mother couldn't eat grapes and be in a vineyard when she was pregnant with him because God had to place his spirit in a holy, untainted place. And so from the womb, mama had made the vows for the baby, and when he came, he agreed when he was young, and then he started sliding away from that. He keeps violating his vows. He's losing focus, and he's really sinning, and it's getting worse and worse. He's on a downward spiral. From the highs, highs, he's spiraling down. The deeper you get into sin, the blinder you would get, you'll get from it. It's almost like uh, having, this is going to be, somebody might not, like, you can have a bad odor in your home. And because you're in the home, you stop smelling it. It's what you call being nose blind. But somebody who's not been there before can come in and immediately smell it. And if you go out and get in fresh air and come back, you'll smell it too. Sin is the same way. You can be in sin so long that you become blind to your behavior. Yeah, other people can see you in it, but you can't see yourself in it. So he dishonored his parents. He deserted his promise. He distorted his purpose. God did not give Samson the strength and supernatural ability so he could be the life of the party. It wasn't for his own projection. It was for him to reflect who God was. And yet, the more he got into it, the more he was titillated by people paying him attention. I hope somebody hears me now. You're not in that position in the church, in your job, for your benefit. It's to bring glory to him. To him. He could have chosen anyone to do it and you ought to humbly acknowledge that he chose me to be his reflector instead of thinking it's because I'm so good nobody else could do it 
I'm the only one that the Lord would have chosen. The only one that God had specially was his son, Jesus. Anybody else could have been selected to fulfill any of the other roles in the Bible, and yet people start thinking they are the unique ones. And so did Samson. He's so smart, Alecky. My granddaddy would say, don't be no smart, Alec. I hear you, Daddy. He said, he starts making riddles about the things that are sinful. And in his riddles, in his riddles, he is dabbling Tyrone in the areas he has no business talking about. And he gets caught in the end because he three times fools Delilah by telling her different parts about why he's so strong. But each time, watch this, if you read the story in chapter 16, you'll see each time he's getting closer and closer to actually telling her the truth because he's not as smart as he thinks he is. All right? The second time he fooled her, he's actually talking about his hair. He has no business even in that space but he's playing and making a game with it. The riddle that he gave revealed some truth. Samson is playing games with the enemy. Can I tell you, the enemy never plays fairly. Never plays by the rules because there are no rules when it comes to the enemy. Not only that, Samson not only got his purpose, he defiled his purity. Yeah. There's an old saying that goes, sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you planned on staying. And it'll also cost you more than you intended to pay. Sin. Watch this. Proverbs wrote this. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb. And her mouth is smoother than oil. This is Samson, who ought to know, having had 600 wives and concubines. Yeah. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. The devil never shows us the end. of <laughs> Solomon knew it better than anybody else. Because I'm sure there was not much in life he hadn't tried. Not only did Samson defy his purity, guess what? He deluded his power. Sitting in Delilah's braiding shop. Yeah. And she's trying to learn the secret of his strength. And he's toying with her. He's telling her lies. Tie me with green switches or tie my plaits together, my braids together, and I won't be able to do anything. Weave my braids into the loom. And when you weave my braids into the loom, it'll make me as weak as other men are. They do that to him. He wakes up, and of course, he's giggling because he snatches the loom up and everything else. He thinks it's funny. He thinks it's funny. But she doesn't give up. She doesn't give up. And then when he finally tells her the truth, and they come in and they shave his hair, cut his hair. 
and they realize that he now is as weak as other men, they don't stop there. It's not enough that they've just stripped him of his strength. They then beat him. They put his eyes out. They gouge his eyes. They blind him permanently. Permanently. And then they put him to work publicly to shame him because of what he has done to embarrass them. Yeah, it's always going to be more than you imagine, further than you can ever imagine you'll slide. Delilah is now probably on a trip somewhere. She's gone. She got her silver. She doesn't care anymore. But I got news for you. God would rather forgive you than judge you. He would rather forgive you than judge you. And even though Samson put himself in that place, Cecil, the truth of the matter is this. God still loved him. Even though we sin and mess up, God still loves us. And so while they have him down working in the public place, Ingrid, a funny thing starts happening. His hair starts growing back. And as his hair starts growing back, he reconnects to his love of God. And even though he's done so much and his life is of such diminished quality, they still want to parade him around like he's a puppet. He asked the Lord to give him one more chance. Anybody here know that you can always, as long as you've got breath in you, it doesn't matter how much you've done wrong. It doesn't matter how bad you've done. Hear me when I say this. If you don't remember nothing else Reverend Sparks tells you, you can always ask the Lord from your heart for one more chance. You may have messed up again and again and again. You may have violated your promise over and over and over again. But as long as you can think about the Lord, you can ask the Lord to give you one more chance. One more chance. One more chance. And so he had enough about him to ask the guy. They brought him out again to let him perform at a party. The Bible says that there were about 3,000 Philistines at the party. And they were dancing and having a good old time. So there was 3,000 of them up on the roof just getting down. You could hear the music. The electric slide, they just getting down. Just going at it, back and forth. Yeah, and Samson is down below. And you can hear it jumping in there. You know, the bass is banging in there. And all of a sudden, Samson asked the dude walking him out because he's blind. He says, that's another story. You never know who might have to help you, all right? When, you, when you're trying to do everything by yourself, the enemy may be your aid to righteousness, all right? He asked the attendant that's taking him out, he said, can you stand me next to the pillars that hold up the roof just so I can lean on it because I'm kind of weak? And the attendant walks him and puts him between the pillars, he, one on the right hand and one on the left. And Samson, can you imagine in that moment 
It'd be one of those Netflix movies where he's standing there, Mason, and he puts one hand on one pillar and puts the other on the other pillar. And the director says, now do the flashback. And in his mind, he's seeing all the days that he was great. He's seeing all the battles that he's won. He's seeing all that God has done for him. It's flashing on the screen and it's building up to let you know that God had blessed him and it's given him the strength and the power he needs to say, now Lord, one more time. Just let me bring you glory one more time like you did before I know I've done wrong. But just one more time, let me do it for you. And the Bible says, he uttered the one thing at the end that made God please. The same thing Jesus said, but not my will, your will. Let me die right now with them. And the Bible says, for that millisecond, heaven gave him enough strength to push the pillars to the building aside, and he killed more Philistines and himself in that instant that he had done his whole life because God wanted him to be able to serve him one more time. Never give up on God and God will never give up on you. Samson started out a hero. He ran his life from hero to zero but God let him go out on top even though he died. He validated his faith that God was, in fact, the one. Not the story that you want to tell. It's not even the one that people even know about Samson. But that's how it ended. Can I tell you this? God loves you even when you mess up. God loves you. If you mess up, God simply wants you to fess up. Just acknowledge what you've done. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to lead you again, anew, and start all over again. That's not a big word. It's just called repentance. That's all. Just repent of what you've done. And when you do that, my Bible tells me that he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of all, A-L-L, unrighteousness, everything we've done. So it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. If you truly know and have heard about the Lord, don't stay right there. Today is the day. Now is the opportunity for you to ask the Lord to bless you with another chance. And from this point forward, start living for the Lord. So while the choir stands and sing this song, yeah, the doors are wide open. Chance is here. Do you know him? Does he live in your Yeah. Do you know him? When your life is troubled, my Lord, Jesus still wants.